It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. LMFM Podcasts, brought to you with Cartmacross Credit Union, where dreaming of warmer climates becomes a reality with a Cartmacross Credit Union holiday loan. O'Neill Street, Cartmacross or CartmacrossCU.ie. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Get lowest can be APR, zero deposit required and finance arranged within four hours with all 192 pre-ordered Renaults. What are you waiting for? There's never been a better time to visit Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda or Cavan. You're very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Big, big thank you to Joan Larkin, who's been minding the house for me uh, for several days over the last couple of weeks. You know, fishing time of the year. And me, uh, thank you so much, Joan. Really do appreciate it. And uh, sitting in, uh, you've done a great job for me. Thanks a million indeed. Now, let's move on with today's show and tell you what's happening. A little bit later on, uh, I'll be joined by the guys from Blackstone Motors, Sheila McDonald, Phil Bannon, Melissa Dugan and John Gallagher are in the hat two more finalists to go to the live show on Thursday and one of those people will win a car late lunch live coming from the new Blackstone garage in Dundalk on Thursday I pay a visit today to East Coast Cookery School and Tara Walker where she rustles up flavours of the Boyne Valley Dave Finney's with me this man says that husky dogs saved his life he's a great story to tell us but first up on today's show I was away and I heard the result. And as a Louth man, I absolutely winced. Will I remind you? Dublin, five goals and 21 points. Louth, 10 points. And Dublin did that with 14 men. Oh, my God. What a whacking that was. And, you know, it turns thoughts to the whole championship and the structure of it and games like that. And there have been a lot of one-sided games in the championship this year. And if you look at this morning's qualifier draw, basically most teams in round one of the qualifiers are from divisions three and four, the exception being Monaghan. Uh, so what does it say? Where should we go with the GAA Championships? I know this morning there's been a lot of talk. GAA President John Horn has been on the airwaves about it. I'm joined now by a man you know well, former Mead star, Simon's Town Manager, Sunday Game Pundit, columnist and school principal. And we've spoken about it before and I'm really grateful that he's taken time to join me today. Colm O'Rourke, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thanks indeed for taking my call. Now, I mentioned there, Saturday was a painful day for loud people. Very, very painful. Is it time, is it now time, as the President said today, to start looking at this afresh and split the Senior Football Championship? Well, I think it's about 50 years too late. Right. I think the GEA should have been doing this, like because it hasn't changed much. As long as I'm going to football from the 70s, 80s, 90s, you always had this sort of thing. And uh, 
the same few counties dominating and the majority of the counties, probably 24, 25, never in with a realistic chance of ever winning anything. Now, when I was playing, I was quite happy to have a championship when <clears throat> Mead and Dublin were able to meet in the Leinster final every year and we were able to win some of them. But uh, at that stage, I never bothered thinking of anybody else who was uh, down at the bottom of the pile. But uh, as you get older, you begin to appreciate the whole idea of uh, equality and fairness much more. So, Colm, there's two tier suggestion. And the president, I would listen to him, John Horn, seems quite adamant that this is going to happen. They've set up a review committee now with a new chairman to uh, chair it, and they're going to look at uh, Eddie Sullivan as the chairman, a, a decent man and a GA man to the core as well. Is, is two tiers sufficient that you would have a, the All-Ireland f- for Sam Maguire and a second competition? And what way would you see it splitting? Would it be an even split or would there be less teams in the top tier than the second? I suppose the reality, Jerry, is that uh, the, the, the first tier is made up of probably uh, Dublin, Kerry, Tyrone, Galway, Donegal, and we probably talked before Saturday Mayo. And after that, there's probably not too many. So uh, if you were to look at, look at it from that point of view, you'd have very few in the first tier. But like I, I always, I was on the first review committee that set up the backdoor championship in 2000. But before that, again, I was on a group who recommended a much more radical uh, streamlining of the championship in 1999. And it was thrown out at Congress. It didn't get the support. And that was to set up uh, several tiers of competition, but it was to do away with provincial championships. And uh, that, of course, got voted down at the time. And from that, then, there was a new committee set up which brought in the backdoor system, which I hoped at the time would only be a temporary thing on the road to a fairer competition. So I've been waiting 20 years to see some moves, and I'm glad to see the president is doing it. I had hoped maybe to be part of the committee, but I think... Having spoken to the president, I think he would have felt that my ideas were much too radical. Uh, and, you know, the GEA is a political organisation, so whatever proposals come through have to get past the Congress. And uh, certainly what I would like to see would be just a similar type of setup that you have in every county where you're senior, intermediate and junior. Works very well. Uh, clubs in Mead, I've seen junior clubs in Mead winning championships and celebrating it more than the senior champions. So that sort of thing works well in counties. All you have to do is superimpose it on the county structure. But the other most important thing in all of this is not to lose sight that the club competitions have to run in conjunction with any new format. Clubs have been destroyed. Players now are not available to their club teams for far too long. And it's all that is doing is promoting elitism. Maybe yeah. I'll get off my soapbox now. No, no, we <laughs> want you on your soapbox. That's why you're with me this afternoon, Colm. This is what we want to hear. But you're right, because I, I had a look today. I, I printed out the counties just to look at them all, right? And I tried to highlight. I just want to add something to what you said there. These were the ones that I looked as t- as top-tier counties. You mentioned some of them there. Donegal, Dublin. Galway Kerry, Mayo, despite what happened the weekend because of the recent record, Monaghan, who've been there, thereabouts, Ross Common have been decent, and Tyrone. That gives us eight. I have question marks over Cork and Meath. Look at where Cork are now. You're ruling out a huge county, but they wouldn't be in the top tier. Oh, absolutely not. But, uh, like, if you look even at the top tier of the league, 
like uh, there's nearly two divisions within the first division yeah. every year and uh, over the last few years like Cavan and Roscommon have been sort of yo-yo counties up one year down the next Kildare also in that sort of thing so within the first division of the league and the league is a great competition because there's mm teams of equal standing playing against each other and that's what should be mirrored in the championship which if you look at the first division like okay Dublin didn't qualify for the league final this year but it's always Dublin, Kerry, Mayo yeah her own really. yes yes that, that's true hard. the other thing that, that I was just thinking as well and I know it's not even been talked about now Dublin's vast column. Look at the amount of clubs they have, the resources they have, where they are now, and this unending, it seems, stream of young players as well. And if you look within the Dublin administration block, there is actually South Dublin, Fingal, Dunleary, Ratdown, and Dublin. There are four units politically uh, around the city. Is it it, it time to talk about splitting Dublin? I haven't heard anyone mention that. Is that gone? Oh, no, I've been beating that drum for quite a while. In fact, I was told to shut up last year on the Sunday game one time because I was going on so often about it. But, like, if somebody is to tell me that the GEA for the future is going to be a fair organisation and Dublin with close to one and a half million people and Leitrim with 30,000 and Loud, Loud, for example, Loud have a decent population. But if you take uh, the clubs, Ballyboden and Kilmacud would have... Uh, a bigger pick than probably 10 counties in the country. Mm. So, like, fairness, equality. Like, I go back again in 2001 or 2002, around that time, a high-power committee of the GEA recommended that Dublin would be split north and south. And it was supposed to come into effect. They were supposed to have two minor teams and there was to be a division of resources. And I go back again to participation. If Dublin had two or three or four teams, like... That's the model we should be promoting for the future. It's not a model of domination the GEA is about. The model should be about participation, equality, fairness, and give an opportunity to young people. Like, there's thousands of young fellas stand on Hill 16 every year and are never going to get a chance to play with Dublin, whereas they would if there was a division there. So, like, if you want to win, Dublin want to win 10 All-Irelands in a row, fine, but it will not do anything for the GEA. That is so true. How would you decide? That's something I was thinking of before our chat here. Like uh, You've rolled out counties there. I've picked a few from a list here. What would be the deciding factor in the first year for the top uh, versus the second? Well, you'd have to do it on league standing and, I suppose, championship performance over the last couple of years. So, Mm. uh, you know, people say, oh, we wouldn't agree to that. We might be in the second division or the third division. Well, that's tough. You know, counties are in a particular division because that's what their current standing is. And people have said to me, oh, you wouldn't say that if Mead now were going to be put down into the second division. Well, again, you know, we have to accept what we are, and the opportunity is there to play yourself out of it in one year by winning whatever uh, Division 1 or Division 2 or whatever you're in and coming up. So, like, it's not the end of the world. Mm. It gives an opportunity for counties to promote themselves and do a lot of good work at underage and... But the most important thing, Jerry, I go back to is any new system has to give equality to club football. That is not happening at the moment. So promotion and relegation would form part of this. So back to the provincials and then the leagues. Just let's look at those in turn in context. What would you do with the provincial championships? Would you scrap them? You said this to me here before. I remember when you were in with me. I'd get rid of them in the morning if I could. Even though I loved winning Leinster championships with Mead and I was 
fortunate enough to win five Leinster titles with me in my time, and every one of them I really thought highly of. But again, if you look back at it, how many counties have a realistic chance of winning a Leinster Championship? Or uh, look at Munster. Munster mm. is a joke. It's total domination by Kerry. What good does that do for Waterford or Limerick or Tipperary or Clare? Absolutely nothing. So, like, I think the provincial system has actually choked the development of football in an awful lot of counties, not promoted it. But you know, one of the big problems that the GEA, you're going to have all of these committees who decide an important decision that will be stuffed full of important people from provincial councils and they will block every opportunity there is to do away with the provincial championships. Like the provincial championships, you know, they are, they have had their value and of course the Ulster Championship is certainly competitive. But again, like, is it doing anything for Anton or for Mana in Ulster? Not the thing, and you're 100% right in what you say. And that's the sad part, you know, that people, you need vision. There needs to be change here. It's crying out. For, what about the leagues? You'd retain the leagues? Well, I think we should have a league championship. I think we should have a competition which starts maybe in March. And uh, I have put in proposals already into Crow Park showing the way that it would work over uh, Sundays uh, or weekends for 2020. So, uh, and the whole idea would be that you'd again have three divisions, that every team would get an opportunity to play for the Sam Maguire, that teams would come up from the lower divisions and get in a quarter final stage. But uh, the main thing I think is that if you have two or three uh, weekends for county football in a row, say in April, mm. then you have two or three reserve for clubs. The players have to go back to their clubs, then they go back to their counties, and that the two uh, structures can work in tandem from March to July, and then you could have your knockout phases then. But it means that county players would be available to play with their clubs during the time of year when they're absolutely unavailable at the moment. Like Dublin played a couple of games in the Championship in April. Those players you can be guaranteed, will not play another club match until at least September, assuming that Dublin go the whole way again. And I don't see any reason Mm. to doubt that that will happen. That's shocking, yes. Players kicking their heels and time passing by. You're so right. Uh, And and that integration is so important in this whole review. Just come back to that again. So what you're saying is uh, no provincial championships. You'd run this on a three-tiered basis, the new championships uh, with a winner in each category, promotion and relegation on a round-robin league basis, the championship, yes? Yeah, home or away. And uh, I think it would be fantastic if you could have uh, every county would be getting high-profile games in uh, the right time of the year to to bring the crowds to venues. Like, imagine if you had big games in in venues around the country going on every weekend at this time of the year. It would be much uh, more attractive for people to go out and support Mm. their teams weather-wise than in the months of February and March when the league is on. And I, I, I think it would work much better in that regard. It would be a greater promotion tool for the GEA because, again, I go back to it, like the GEA is supposed to be about participation and fairness. It's, you know, it's not set up that a few counties should be able to dominate forever. Mm. And, and the leagues, the, the traditional leagues we have now that start in the spring, they finish up, then we go into the championship. You... Oh, no, no, I'm just no. talking about that. We'd have one competition. One. You get... Yeah, you get yes. uh, you'd have ten or twelve teams in a division, and you would play nine or ten games starting in uh, maybe in March, and the league 
stages would finish up at the end of June or July. Into knockout. Uh, into knockout. Like, uh, you could run provincial uh, championships as a warm-up yeah. g- uh, series of games early in the year. Yes. Replace the existing league and okay. then then have a proper system going on, say, from, yes. from March. I see where you're coming from. So provincial championships possibly as a warm-up. League's gone in the present format, but a league system leading into the knockout stages of each of the championships and plenty of games. Counties guaranteed lots of games. Yeah, well, the big thing would be your guaranteed games at home. Yep. So it, it would be up to each county then to promote their home games. The big uh, thing from a provincial council point of view is that they complain about that and say, what are we going to do to get our money? But like... The overall budget could be increased dramatically by having that type of system and the provincial councils could get paid out of the money that goes back into central funds from every game. They could get paid what amount of money they take in on an annual basis. So there would be no loss to them. Yeah, so the, and the club game tied in with that, a specific time set aside that club games are going on through the year, as you say, not just a little burst at the start, then this massive break and picking it up again. Now, here's the thing, with what is being talked about at the moment by John Horan and this new committee under Eddie Sullivan, do you welcome that as an initial step forward or they won't go the whole hog, I take it, on your proposals? No, I wouldn't think so, no, because radicalism is not sort of one of the words that you associate with the GEA. In fact, conservatism would be much more. But I hope and I wish Eddie O'Sullivan well. I don't know the man at all, but I wish him well. But I think, uh, I hope that the committee that's set up is not stuffed with provincial sort of secretaries and things like that, that it's an independent committee that they have... uh, a good chance to come up with something rather different and maybe show us the way forward for the next 10 or 20 years. But central to that has to be like a vision of the future, a vision of where Dublin is going to be. Are they going to be allowed to have uh, uh, unfettered access to 1.3 million people indefinitely? Or is there going to be some attempt to try and promote the game? And it would be good for Dublin long term to have uh, two or three different teams because you get far, far bigger numbers involved. Mm. Like what's happening at the moment is total elitism in Dublin and the GA should not be about elitism. It should be about bigger numbers taking part. I think it's reflected as well. Attendances haven't been up to scratch when they talk about them, you know, last year and, and the year before as well. I know the final is sold out in the semi-finals, but there is, there's an indifference column there with people. Absolutely. Well, Jerry, you just look at the attendance in Port Leach on Saturday. I think it was 14,500. The All-Ireland champions were playing. Uh, you would think that that would bring a huge crowd alone. Like years ago, if it was 10 years ago, and uh, you had games involving Dublin and Mead to be in Crow Park and to be 50 or 60,000. So the people are voting with their feet. They find the style of football uh, absolutely unattractive. The games are uncompetitive. And people are saying to themselves, we prefer to sit at home on a Sunday or a Saturday and watch hurling on the television Mm. because there's much better value. So the the GEA is as a product in football, and I don't like that term, but as a product, it's it's, uh, not convincing people. So therefore, there has to be changes in the playing rules. There has to be changes in the structure of it. The only team really worth going to see and play good football is, in fact, Dublin. But... uh, 
Mm. We don't want to see them winning everything. Oh my God, yes, sure, it'll just become a total bore. But you, you, you allude to the hurling there. Look what they've done. They have the McCarthy Cup, of course, for the All-Ireland Senior Winners. But I, I, you look at the other counties in the other tiers, the Laurie Mar and the other ones they brought in as well, the Ring Cup. They, they've reinvigorated counties, haven't they? And given them something a day out in Crow Park for a big final and the joy that brings. Yeah, we saw Mead winning there yes. in Crow Park a few years ago in the hurling, and it was the same as if they had won the yeah. McCarthy Cup. So, mm. like, everybody, uh, and I go back to that sort of example I gave, you know, of junior and intermediate teams winning their club championships in the county. And for them, that's as important as Simon Sounder Screen or anybody else winning the senior championship. And why wouldn't it be? So everybody should be able to have an opportunity to win at whatever grade they play in. We're running a championship in Ireland for the last 120 or 30 years where it's uh, before you even start the championship, you can be sure it's within down to three or four or five teams. That's not healthy. Mm, absolutely. Colm, you're a breath of fresh air. Thank you so much. I know you're a busy man and thanks for taking the time as always to join me on the show. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, well, it's great to have the odd rant. <laughs> it is, of course. I'm, I'm glad to be given the opportunity. Always, and it's always here for you. Thank you indeed. Thanks, Colm. Thanks, Jerry. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Colm O'Rourke there. I always enjoy talking to him and he has great opinions, hasn't he? And that's what it's about, having an opinion, whether you agree or disagree. But the bottom line is... It does need a shake-up, and a radical one, and soon. Have you anything to say? We'd love to hear from you. Yes, the messages are coming already, and I didn't even mention the number. What do you say? Have you something to say about this? Do you agree with Colm says? Have you a different view? Do you disagree? All comers welcome. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. You can call in now in 1850-715-958. Thanks to Jim Campion, who says, Jerry, the drop-off in attendances at games should be a wake-up call for the GAA. People won't pay for what is too expensive anyway to look at rubbish games. It doesn't encourage young kids to play either, as a lot of them have no role models to aspire to because of the big beatings teams are getting. Thank you. Thanks indeed for that, Jim. Somebody else says, go back to the old way of playing. We're a man can tussle for the ball. Uh, there wasn't a word from Colin O'Rourke and his friends nine years ago uh, but, uh, when everyone was beating Dublin. Other uh, counties just get their act together. No one asked for Kerry or Kilkenny to be split over the years, says Tom McCabe in Balbriggan. Thank you, Tom. Uh, what happened since the 2010 Leinster final when Mead were kingpins in football and Loud held their own? What happened? Did Dublin improve or did Mead and Loud go the other way around? I think it's a combination of both there, to be honest with you. The elections, Louise, she's bleary You've been there all weekend. I'm wrecked. Yeah. She's wrecked. Oh, listen, our Louise they are is wrecked. Excited. Have a thought for today. They are exciting, aren't they? They mm. are indeed. Well, congratulations to the victors and commiserations to the losers as well. Uh, I just want to say one thing. I was away. I didn't vote. I was uh, fishing, of course. I didn't get back. But my family were telling me we're in Drogheda, uh, on the outskirts of town. But we're in the Drogheda rural constituency, Louise. You were voting ousted. where you were voting, right? You were ousted. So my son and daughter and wife and everybody told me when they went to the to vote, they cast their votes. They didn't know hardly anybody on the ballot paper. They couldn't vote for the people they wanted to vote for. Who gerrymandered the Drogheda constituencies? Why Why in the town of Drogheda are you not voting for people in the town? Housing estates were split in the town. Would there be very different issues between rural and urban? Oh, like, my God, yes. A couple of people called be to me and I said to them, do you know where you are? 
different issues. Different rural and, and urban issues, there are different issues. But I'll tell you, I'll say this, the, the dust is only settled. It's time to look at those bloody constituencies again. I don't know whether anyone else feels the same in RD or Dundalk or over in Meath in the urban areas as well. Anyone experience this? But I'll say it as somebody from Drogheda. It has to be looked at. It's not right. The voting is absolutely arseways. And whoever came up with that split needs to revisit it now before the next lo- local elections in five years. It's as simple as that. It's nonsense. It's horse. You know what? I can't say it on the air today. But whoever did it, please, please relook at it. Get relooking at it. It's not right that you can't vote for your own people and you're cast into. But they are your area. own people. Ah, they are, but they're out in the sticks. <laughs> <laughs> That's my soapbox. Column at his a few moments ago. I'm entitled to mine. But I'm serious on that. It needs looking at. And if it's anybody else feels the same anywhere else, do let us know. 086 658 by WhatsApp or text. Anyway, they're still counting in Mead. What's wrong, Louise? I don't know. The first Can the count is... in loud and the can't count in Mead? What's up? Well, they're down to the last few, but yeah, you're right. The, the first count was only at half four yesterday. It was a long day. What were they and at the on Saturday? the excitement was nearly gone because... yeah. It was all the tallies on Saturday. <laughs> Come that on. was the excitement. And the European elections, I'd say we'll be counting until Wednesday week. I think we'll be counting until next year. Bring back the electronic voting. What do you say, Louise? Absolutely. Would I'd you like to see agree. The electronic back? Yeah. I wouldn't agree with you a few years ago, but now it's, it's you know, it's instant. So the results are up completely just everywhere. Our Louise, bring back electronic voting. What do you think? Have you a view on that? Would you like to see just the split decision where it's done all... Look, we do everything else in the world in nanoseconds. And here we are. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Jeepers, it could only be Ireland, could it? It could only be Ireland. Anyway, we're heading to news and weather at two o'clock with a little music. And after two, do stay with us. We have a wonderful guest. Dave Finney is here. He says that Husky Dogs saved his life. Congratulations to Samantha Coyle from Mornington in County Mead. She won the €5,000 Scotch Hall Shopping Centre Holiday of a Lifetime. Helena Mullins was there and all the pictures and stuff is up on social media. Check it out. Samantha, love your holiday. Enjoy. Congratulations to you. What a win that is. Now, in studio, two men one woman, two dogs. It's a strange combination on late lunch, but that's what's here at this very moment in time. I'm delighted to welcome Dave Finney and Nikki Smith to the show, and their dogs are with them as well. Good to see you, folks. Thank you both for joining me. Thanks what have you. we here, Dave? What, who, who have we with us here at the moment? We, you have a beautiful husky. Yeah, that's Titan. He's triple all Ireland champion at the moment. So he's the fastest Nordic breed on one dog score. Really? In Ireland at the moment. He's a beaut, isn't he? He's a, What age? He's only two and a half. Okay, young young yeah, enough dog as well. So in the prime. Mm, in the prime, prime at that age. Nikki, you're holding on to it. Is that a baby you had there? He's a baby. This is Phantom. And Phantom is nine weeks old and he's a Weimaraner German pointer cross. Okay, so beautiful, he's beautiful dog. How many dogs have you guys got all together? We have nine at the moment. Nine dogs? Seven, How many huskies? Seven huskies. A Dutch herder and Phantom. This fella here. Now, you didn't always have this number of dogs, Dave. No. And can I quote you? Can I quote you? This is what you said. You said to Sally Harding in the Mead Chronicle recently, I'd be afraid to think where I'd be today if I didn't have the dogs. What do you mean by that? I was just... I like I struggle with depression and anxiety and all that and I was just in a very bad place back when I was younger and I just 
I can't think of one. It's just when I think back now, I can't even remember my life without dogs, to be honest. So it's hard for me to kind of say or to answer your question. Yes. It's just well, you you were in a dark place in your yeah. life. Yes. And it was just getting worse and worse. And then when I got our first dog, King, he just gave me a new lease on life. So how did that happen? Did you say, I need something else in my life, or was it by accident? Um, It was a bit of both. I was looking for changes and that, and I started getting back. I was back out in my mum's house out in Castletown, and I was just kind of getting back on my feet, and I just was afraid to leave my house, didn't want to socialise with anyone, talk to anyone, do anything, and... I just was looking up and I knew dog can help with these things, but I never imagined that getting a dog would... Change your life completely. How did you get the first dog? That's what I'm trying to get at. How did the first dog come about? Um, I was looking and looking for dogs and I wasn't actually looking to get one. I was just kind of looking up and then one came up on Facebook and I rang the number and... There was a story, these people, a lot of people get huskies and they don't have a clue what they're like. Don't do any research or anything on it. They're very high prey-driven animals. Some of them can be. So a farmer got the dog and then when it started chasing it's sheep and chickens and all that, which is fun to the dog, but not so much fun to the farmer. But the sheep are chickens, yes. Yeah, so when I rang, they had it up so long the farmer was sick of it and when I rang that night his wife had told me that if nobody picked up the dog by Saturday morning he was going to go out and shoot the dog and this was Friday night at about 10 o'clock so it was the middle of a real bad storm and I just got into my car and drove the whole way down straight away and I remember like it was yesterday pulled in and it was pitch black and the lights of the car just shone up on the shed and there was this little husky just sitting in there and I just knew he was coming home with me. <laughs> I love the story and, and the way you it. tell it. And that was the beginning was of then. the new you. Yeah. What age was that dog then? Uh, he was only a couple of months, oh, six Christ. months, Young eight dog. months, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. So that was your first, and what was his name again? King. So that was the start of it, yeah. the very beginning. And did he? Did that dog take to you and you to him? Yeah, like a duck to water away. immediately. Straight away. You mentioned something there, and it is very important to say to people: huskies are a particular type of dog. Our veterinarian is with us actually tomorrow, and she's mentioned this many's a time. Yeah. They need exercise. They need a lot of care, don't they? Lots. And yes. Lots. Yeah. Like people, like we have a huge Instagram following, and that and people like to look at it and like to do many things on social media and see how good our dogs are and just think they're easy and same with the Game of Thrones it's spiked up something serious Tyrone Husky Rescue and Dublin Husky Rescue they are overrun are they with, with dogs? yeah with huskies and, and you have a particular link with the Tyrone people the yeah, Husky Rescue how many dogs have they down there in Tyrone? oh the, uh, They've good lot. Yeah. They've yeah, over 60, 60 now. Yeah, yeah. And you actually, listen to what this fella does. You go down there. Yeah, we're, <coughs> we're very good friends with one of the people who run at Lisa Marsh. So she lives about an hour away from us. We try to get up there any chance we get and take whoever we can out in the van and give them a run. So you take the dogs out and exercise them? Yeah. 
What a good fellow you are, and good woman you oh, are too, Nicky, nice to, to do that. Me. It really is, really good of you to do that. But you, you want to get that message to people today across that these dogs uh, need no. care. Unless you don't, like, if you do not know what you're getting, it's it's not just Huskies, it's any puppy. Yes, if that's true. If you do not know what you're getting into, yeah. and you haven't done your research, and you are not ready to give a 15-year minimum commitment to something that's just like Depends a child, you, yeah. yes. Then don't do it. You know what I mean? Don't I, do it. I've not heard that better put, and that's coming from you people who have nine and look after them and yeah. know what's involved as well. I just want to tell our listeners: it's not Nikki, Dave, or myself that are panting. <laughs> in case you're out there thinking that the there's heavy breathing going on in there or they're doing funny things we're not I promise you it's the husky in particular I just look at them again they're beautiful yeah, those they eyes say it all don't they Nikki, talk to me Nikki Smith you and this fella here how did it happen come on there's a great story here how long do you know him about seven years now. Okay. Um. So about seven years, and originally what happened was I was in my friend's house. It was a Sunday night, and Dave poked me on Facebook. Woohoo! I love it. Go on. And the poking went over and back between the two of us for about five or six messages. And I turned around to my friend, and I actually said to her, "Um, if he doesn't message me after this poke now, I'm I'm just done. Like I have no interest. I'm not interested." But he did. He messaged me then. So we got chatting and met the next day. So Where love stories begin. <laughs> poking on Facebook. Poking on Facebook, yeah. <laughs> and obviously you have... This man talks about his love for these animals. That You know, and that story he told us. What about you and your background? Have you always had dogs in your family? I have always had dogs in my family. They're always family pets. But it was more so me. Um, so my dad would always buy me a pupper. You know, because I was always fascinated with them. I loved them. Um then my nanny, my, my dog actually passed away and my nanny got a Springer Spaniel <clears throat> and um, he lived for 17 years and I was absolutely devastated when he died and I just didn't get one after that. Mm. And then when I met Dave, Dave had King and then Dave got me Kaya and then that's where the pups came from. Okay, so name the dogs you have. What Test, this is a quiz now. There's no prize, <laughs> but there's a real quiz here. What are the name of your huskies? Uh, King, Kaya... Titan, Tasman, Spirit, Koa, and Eli. He rolled them off, no bother. I thought I'd catch him. No <laughs> chance of catching them out there at all. So, how do you ex- decide to expand the family to this massive family you have now from one dog? How does that happen? Do you have a consultation, or does he want it, or you <clears throat> want them? Come on, Nikki, tell me. Well, Dave is the one who got me to start dryland mushing. Um, and then, you know, when King and Kaya had the pups, um, we did, there was seven pups and we did rehome three to close friends and family. We had no intention of racing them. But then when they got bigger and Dave was after doing the first race with King, it was just like, that, that's the perfect fit for them. So we'll keep them and we start racing. So we started racing all the pups, big family. And then we, we run out still, of dogs for the categories. Boss, yeah. So listen, you better tell us about this so as listeners know. You mentioned there uh, something called dry land mushing. What is that? Um, it's a race. We race, so a lot of people would know huskies are born and bred to pull sleds across snow and that. But in the summer months and that, when there's no snow, they start using like bikes and carts and three wheel and four wheel rigs to train them in the off season. And then it just took up as a worldwide sport where people all over the world competing and it's slowly slowly getting bigger and bigger 
Like, and you are a multiple champion at this. Yeah. Well, not me and the dogs. <laughs> yeah, but, but well, they couldn't do it without you. You uh, give them a yeah. little bit of guidance, don't you? Come on, don't yeah. take away from uh, no, yourself. I know, no, I know. I do. Like we're we're out there every single night, no matter the weather, no matter whether it's a storm, snowing, anything. We are out there, and I'm covering miles with these dogs. But all that hard work just comes down to then when you go to race day, and they're running their fastest and best. Mm. And they can't be beaten. That mm. is just worth every late night and everything to me. Now, how do you cope with all that's entailed here? Right, they need time. They need all this exercise. What about food? How much food do you go through in a week with them? Uh, we go through a lot. But then in race season, because we win, we win food. And oh, yes. There's certain, like, there's certain people like Happy Tales, natural treats on that day. Oh, send out treats and stuff. Okay. So your success has enabled you yeah. as well and facilitated you and helped you with the cost, of yeah, course, of keeping does. all these dogs. Like, don't get me wrong, they do cost an awful lot. <laughs> I'm just I sitting here. I know. I, I don't. Know. Look, Nicky likes to say I just hand over my bank card. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, you don't want to know. I love it. Well, listen, do nothing for a minute. I want to take a short break. These people are just lovely I have to say uh, Nikki Smith is with us and Dave Finney and they've brought their dogs with them as well and we're going to chat a little more after this short break it's Huskies all the way on late lunch this afternoon with Dave Finney and Nikki Smith Dave come back to the food a moment again um, is it dry food or a combination of wet food meats what do you feed them with um, we chop and change between race season and off season so in off season they get fed dry nuts and like there are extra vegetables and vitamins mm. and that and then when it's race season they mainly go on to just raw okay so that's uh, that's an important change in diet when yeah. they're actually competing yeah. as well interesting what are they like tell me Nikki, with other people you know when people see a husky their eyes the yeah. eyes say it all don't they really I mean, it's real 50-50. I mean, with us, um, and we train every day, like, locally to us. So when we train, there are a lot of people around us that know us. So they're quite happy and content to just let us do our thing, and they love seeing it. But you would get the odd few people that kind of freak out when they see, like, us coming running towards you, and obviously, like, thundering down the path. <laughs> so um, they do, you might get a scream or two or someone jumping into the ditch or something. But nine times out of ten, everybody's fine with them and, and the, our huskies are great with other people as well. Like. Mm. And how do they get on together? Oh, yeah, like yeah. a house on fire. Do they? Yeah. Like There's a never really a, you know, a, a set oh, to it. Don't get me wrong, like, yeah. there does be, because I have boys and I have girls. Right. And there's this, I don't have them or because it affects them when it, it comes to race. race yeah. But I'm responsible enough to keep them separated yes. when they come into So heat. when they come into season and they're in yeah. heat and that, when that's another... When they come another... into season and they're in heat, the boys have to be let out one at a time. Mm. But when they're not in heat, the whole lot of them will be running kind around, around together. the house. Yeah. Yeah. And you just have the odd tiff between brothers, but it's never been anything yeah, they're like serious people. Mm. They have the odd argument and then they're fine five minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, they, honestly, that is the way it is. They're probably easier yeah. than people. Well, I'm actually are, thinking yes. about it because people <laughs> often carry things Definitely. for youngs and youngs and, and don't let go of yeah. it as well. Yeah. You know, no, it's forgotten about. Literally, yeah, as quick as it happens, it's forgotten, it's forgotten about. Mm-hmm. It's some commitment. Isn't it? it really is yeah, some commitment. Is. Nine dogs to look after, feed and be aware of everything and involved in this racing as well. It is. Sometimes now when you have a bad day at work and you come home 
<laughs> you just want to put your feet up, you know, and you have a cup two of tea. You're <laughs> starting another day's work then, in effect. Well, that's what a lot of people say, it's another day's work. But to me, it's not. It's it's okay. like if, you, if I have a bad day at work and I go home and go out with the dogs and have a good run, it's like I've literally just yes. done that for the day. It's therapeutic. Yeah, it's a release. It? Yeah, for you. And, and, and something that uh, you're able to let go of everything yeah. during the day. It's and just people, like, it's like I was only saying to Nikki the other day, we don't think we're mad, but if we were talking to someone in a pub and they were like, oh, I've nine cats or nine rabbits, you'd be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> because we race our dogs and yes. work our dogs, we think it's all right. We have so many. <laughs> you don't see it as yeah. being anything unusual. But we understand yes. what it looks like from the outside. But, but, you know, I think it's the same with anybody's yeah. caching. I do a lot of fishing and I'd be out in the lakes till all hours and yeah. people say, oh, there's something wrong oh, there. No, that's one thing. We normally train up around Baileybor Lake and every single time we're there same no matter what the weather is no matter what time there does be people out there, there fishing. people fishing yeah. you know and and that's a, such a good point yeah. you make you know but when you're at the thing you love and it's your passion yeah. it's not unusual for no. you it's what you love to do so here's the big question nine is that it definitely not <laughs> nikki Definitely not. No. You're not stopping at nine? No. I had, I was the one convincing him to let me get Phantom, so... <laughs> but I didn't know I was getting Phantom, but I was, like, at him for a puppy. You know, I had puppy fever, and I was yeah. like... And he's a soft touch, so I, I got my way. Ah, is he? Is he a soft touch? He's a soft touch. Ah, there you are. He's a pussycat, even though he loves dogs. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Uh. It'd be dangerous when we get our own house. Yeah, we, we get our own house. Our plan is a lot of land and a tiny little cottage so, so that's out. your aim is it yeah. to place for your own with a bit of room yeah and then I'll have like I have all my huskies and they all love working so I'll continue to do that but with the likes of Phantom that coming along I want my own world 
class so running separate parade. working dogs from okay. the family so I, to I understand for your being titles and yeah is that your aim to, to, to go and compete yeah. on a, a, a Europe wide and an international yeah. scale we're hoping to go to the worlds this year where right. are they on uh, they're Belgium. on in Belgium okay. so we race with Canny Cross Ireland they are one of the foundations down one the side one of the clubs yeah so we race with them mm. I was just we got our trophies, gorgeous trophies there off them yesterday for the All Ireland, two All Irelands we won with them this okay. year. So, have you competed outside of the country yet? Uh, not yet, no. Okay, so this is going to be a new horizon, yeah. a new vista for you when you're going to Europe first, yeah. and then your aims is to go global. Yeah. Isn't it fantastic? We're really just is. going for the experience yeah. in that this year, just taking it as it is, yeah. and then when he gets a bit bigger and we get our own land in that. Then. He's not allowed to be trained or raced until he's 18 months. Okay. So yeah. it'll be a while before you mm. see yes, him out yeah. on the trails. What age is he at the moment? Nine weeks. Oh, no. He can start can- running can candy running cross in about 12, 12 yes. months. Yeah. yeah. So it's just not for Huskies? No, no. everyone. Everybody. We race against everything. Every like your one there was showing us her dog. There's a woman we race against that races Ridgebacks. Ridge All she has is Ridgebacks. Mm. There's a woman there as a massive dove man and then loads of little chihuahuas. Yeah. I don't crazy. believe you. Like, yeah. yeah. the little she's toy. one of the fastest out there. She's yeah. the fastest out there. For Canny Cross, running yeah. with the dog. The little toy class. Yeah. You wouldn't think that, would you, against <laughs> no. these big guys? Yeah, and then there's a woman there, uh, Louise Jones. She's positive fitness, Ireland. She's up she in Dublin. She's starting to do all these classes to welcome people into it yes I interviewed her oh, is she? oh yeah she she's has, terrific yeah, yeah, so, she's, she's, so she's got one of the biggest dogs there Dyson the Northern Inuit and then she's got a little pointer lady and just a, bullet, a, a rocket. rocket it's a whole new aspect to the canine world you know we're all familiar with crufts yeah. and yeah. showing the dogs and that type of thing yeah. but look at this yeah. this is another big world people oh, get so, so shocked like you, you say oh we race our dogs and they're like what What do you mean you race like if like, I didn't have the dogs what dogs with you have me? greyhounds yeah, yeah that's the first thing that's the first thing greyhounds. to ask I'm like no as soon as you say huskies they're like are you mad like what, what are you talking about racing huskies like <laughs> as dogs how would you describe the husky because you did say they're challenging to look after lean lots of exercise oh, feeding boy. minding but what as a personality what's a after husky after all that just the best dog you can yeah. have <laughs> they're so loving and they're so independent and sassy and so smart like mm. they're so smart. smart and then it's like it's like you see him you all think he's good and well behaved and that and he is but if I put him into his working harness now he would you not would pay not attention think to you he's the same dog you he just believe. clicks into yeah. competition mode. Yeah. And can you, you, I know you did rescue a dog that was traumatised, a fighting dog. Yeah. Can you rehabilitate a dog? Yeah, you can. Yeah. Any That's dog. Phoenix from uh, Clad Rescue there. Yeah. Uh, Reem Val does great work with bulldog breeds. Yes. But we took her in and she was terrified. Just curling into the middle of the couch, wouldn't look at me, wouldn't look at her, wouldn't look at anything. Used for dog fighting, but slowly 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 started getting around to us and then slowly slowly started bringing her in one dog at a time and then she just started coming out of her shell and now we placed her in a family (coughs) where 
her own had he struggles with MS mm. and she's been a lifeline for him. Isn't that just yeah. another lifeline. wonderful story? Yeah. It really is. I think you're fantastic. I know Thanks you're fantastic. And I, I, I want to thank you both for coming to us today on Late Lunch and bringing your, a couple of your lovely dogs as well. No success, continued success to you, joy and all you get from them and go on and do it in Europe and the world. It's great to see you. And I want to say again to Nikki Smith and Dave Finney, Thanks a million. So this song is especially for you two and all your dogs. (laughs) It's Beyonce and they are crazy in love with their dogs. Thank you. Thanks very much. of May and we're back at East Coast Cookery School with Tara Walker Cooks Flavours of the Boyne Valley all this year and today Tara I see a familiar sight emerging there. You do Jerry. so uh, today we've got Maria Flynn who's a familiar sight but what you're actually talking about is this trout that you caught a little while ago and you gave to me and I've had it in the freezer and I took it out this morning to defrost because I thought it would be really nice to use it. We've got Maria Flynn from Ballamacanny Farm here and we have her beautiful salad potatoes, purple violetta and her red emily and I also have Marita from Drummond House Garlic's beautiful asparagus that she dropped in for us. So I'm going to pop the trout onto the barbecue with the asparagus in a little while and then I'm going to do a lovely smoky potato salad with Maria Flynn's lovely salad potatoes and over here just for something different as well I'm going to do some herby roast potatoes with the uh, red emily and the purple violetta and they're going to go into the oven. So what I have here is a little bit of fennel I just got from the garden so the fennel fronds from the top of the fennel and I'm going to stuff them into the trout just adds a little bit of flavour. Fennel and fish are bedfellows, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the trout is so lovely that we don't want to overpower it with really strong flavours. And the fennel fronds like this have quite a subtle flavour. But I'm going to make up a real old school Mary Rose sauce as well. So we've got <laughs> trout, potato salad, purple potatoes that are roasted and a little bit of Mary Rose sauce and some gorgeous asparagus as well. Now back to the trout, you have the fennel in the cavity of the trout there. Now you're doing the seasoning, as you said. Exactly. So a little bit of oriole sea salt going in. There we go. And our black pepper as well. Close it over. And then we're going to use these skewers to keep them closed. So the belly of the fish is stuffed and we're kind of closing it over with the skewers. 
And this means we get some heat conducting through the skewers and cooking from the, the inside out, but it also just makes it easier to handle on the barbecue. And out we emerge from East Coast Grocery School for the first time this year in this series into the beautiful sunshine. And it is barbecuing season for sure. And Tara has the barbecue. Oh, look at that. This smoke wafting there. Flower. Yes, yes. So I turned it on a bit ago. So it's good and hot. Now you can see it's actually up at uh, over 200 degrees. And this is a little tip for barbecuing that I always do is bring a little brush and a little jug of some high burning point oil. I've got rapeseed oil here and just brush it on to your protein, which in this case is a lovely piece of fish. Just brush it on just to help it stop sticking and onto the barbecue. And you'll close the lid down. Yeah, then, I'm yeah? going to close the lid down and turn the barbecue down now to a lower setting. If you have um, a charcoal barbecue, this is a gas barbecue. Some parts of the charcoal barbecue tend to be a bit cooler. You know, if you have all the chars, the coals in the centre, the edges might be cooler. So what you can do is move it over to the edge if the skin is getting very overly done. But then, you know, the, the centre is not cooked yet. But the great thing about putting the skewers through, and this goes for anything you're barbecuing, whether it's beef, lamb, chicken, if you put skewers through, it's great because it means that you're getting a bit of heat conducting through the centre. So you know the way there's always the worry about it being too charred or burnt on the outside and raw in the centre. It just helps with that. And on that note, I might just mention I'm doing a barbecue um, demonstration out in the gorgeous Telltown house near Kells uh, for Father's Day. So hopefully it's going to be a gorgeous day like it is here today and it's going to be lots of tips about barbecuing. People are welcome to bring their Prosecco or a glass of wine with them or whatever and there will be nibbles as well. Heading into the uh, cookery school now as we leave the trout to work away there on the barbecue. Maria's beautiful potatoes, aren't they just gorgeous? They really are and I think even when you look at like, they always say, now I'm no nutritionist, I'm a chef, but they always say that when something has a darker, richer colour it's better for you, it's higher in antioxidants so look at the colour there, I'm sure Maria will tell you more about that, of the purple potatoes when I've cut them open into the centre and the same with the, the red Emily as well so I've just cut them into little cubes basically, I just gave them a good scrub, I didn't actually, um, I didn't you know, peel them or anything and I'm going to pop some rapeseed oil over, plenty of salt and pepper, and then whatever woody herbs you have. I've got some rosemary and thyme from the garden here. I think I have a bit of sage. I'll grab it when I'm out there. And just pop them all in. It's important to season well with salt and pepper at this stage because we're not really doing anything else with them. All we're going to do is pop these into a good hot oven for about 20 minutes or so. Well, sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Sometimes let's just keep an eye on them. Good high temperature, 180 to 200 really. Okay, so we're on our way. Can I go and talk to the producer featured today? Yes, Maria Flynn from Bella McKenney Farm is with us. And she's sitting here like the cat that got the cream. Well, she did get the cream <laughs> in our coffee. Fed. Let's talk a little bit about the ingredients you've brought here today. Three different varieties of potato. First of all, the Violetta is famous at this stage. You are the champion of this potato. <laughs> yeah, it's it's my flagship potato, I like to call it. Um, I've, I'll, I'll always have a connection with it, always. Um, but you have to keep moving on. You have to keep reinventing yourself, I think. The chefs uh, love the Violetta, support it. As Tara said, she's been working with my potatoes for a few years now. So it's time to up the ante and um, get out there and see what else the potato world has to offer us. So we'll always grow Violetta. I don't see the point really in growing another variety of purple potato or a different variety of pink potato. These are my two and I'll stick to them. Violetta was the very first one. So I didn't expect this to turn into a business. Sherry, you know the story. It was a hobby and I grew some purple potatoes. And then about two years later, I introduced Red Emily. They both came to the potato market, if you like, around the same time. It was 2010, 2011. They're both speciality potatoes, but they, their parentage would be heritage. 
But as potatoes and varieties in their own right, they're only there since 2010, 2011. But I I think I've done all I can do with coloured potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) There's no point in, in, you know trying to reinvent the wheel. They are what they are. But as Tara said, they have two particular flavours. That's what I love about them. I love when I do um, a show or, you know, there's people around and they're eating them. I love sitting back and listening for a change <laughs> to them discussing. I think I like the purple one better than the pink one or vice versa. And I love that because it means they can get a distinction mm. between the two. And my big thing is potatoes should have flavour. You know, every potato should have flavour. Absolutely. And for the salad potato here today, what have you brought to us? And we're going to talk to uh, Tara about that in a moment. They're called Jemson, and I did that because my husband said they wouldn't grow. (laughs) (laughs) He said we couldn't grow salad potatoes because we don't have irrigation. So I bought some seed and we planted them and we had the worst drought in history. And my salad potatoes are perfect. Again, with a lovely flavour. Absolutely beautiful. Now, those potatoes um, Tara is using today, you haven't tasted them yet. I didn't start selling those, if you like, until about four weeks ago. So you've had them in storage since? I've had them in storage because I have my beautiful pink fur apple and they're a waxy potato as well. And I wanted to give them their time and the limelight that they deserve because they are a beautiful potato. We sold out of those, incredibly, uh, four months into the season. We have a six-month season. So we sold out of them and I said, right, I have these salads. We'll give them a go because they're waxy. And as Tara will tell you, chefs, certain dishes they want different textures for. So I said, we'll, we'll introduce the Jemson now. Now, lots of people grow Jemson. Um, I like the flavour of them. They have like a new potato flavour. And um, the biggest worry was they'd be really scabby because we had no irrigation. But they're really not. They're beautiful. They're absolutely perfect. We didn't harvest till January. So they've been in storage since January. And I'm hoping what you'll find when you taste them is they're going to taste you like an actual new potato. But you can tell me. I know you'll tell me the truth anyway, I'll tell you the truth. I always do. (laughs) Stay with us on Late Lunch. We're taking a short break and we're at East Coast Cookery School where Tara Walker is cooking flavours of the Boyne Valley all this year. Maria Flynn from Ballamakenny Farm has brought her beautiful potatoes to us today. And if there's one way to my heart, it's with a spud. Back in three minutes. Go nowhere. Welcome back to Late Lunch, East Coast Cookery School, the month of May. Tara Walker cooking flavours of the Boyne Valley. And this month, it's Maria Flynn, Bala McKenney Farm and her beautiful potatoes. And I have to say, Marita Collier has chipped in as well because it is asparagus season and she's dropped us over some beautiful asparagus spears as well. We have our trout on the barbecue. How long is um, that trout going to take? Probably about 15 to 20 minutes because the skewers are through them. It kind of, it's pretty fast. So I've actually turned the barbecue off now and left the lid closed because there's plenty of residual heat in there. And we'll go back out and have a look at it in a minute. We have our purple potatoes, our purple violetta and our red emily in the oven to roast them with some nice woody herbs. And then over here, I've got my salad potatoes from Maria Flynn. Here's one she prepared earlier. You know that saying on the shows. Exactly. So Maria, very kindly, as she's often done, has left them on the other side of the wall and I go out in my pyjamas and pick them up. It's very handy. That's a sight to behold. (laughs) So Not really. (laughs) I actually make sure there's no cars and then I dodge out to go. I've just kind of cubed them and cooked them there. Uh, Just boiled them up. And into that, I'm going to add some mayonnaise. And this is like an old-fashioned enough potato salad, except a couple of little changes. I'm going to use some Greek yogurt to soften down the mayonnaise. Whilst the mayonnaise flavour is lovely, I think the Greek yogurt just makes it a little bit lighter, you know. And then I have some nice smoked paprika. 
which is not produced in Boyne Valley. I brought this back from Spain. A little smoky flavour. Don't go too heavy on that. Then I have some red onion. Now, don't go too heavy on the red onion either. I think it can be a little bit overpowering, so just a little bit. Small pinch of our Oriole sea salt again. And then just give a little mix around. As always, just taste for seasoning. See if you're happy with the balance of flavours before you serve it up. And this is a great little dish because you can have this in advance. We all know the traditional potato salad with the parsley and the onions. I love that too. But just for something a little bit different, this is quite nice. Mmm, lovely. And those are the Jemson potatoes that Maria was telling us about earlier. Exactly. So do you know what I'm going to do? A little bit of cayenne in there as well. Because I didn't have loads of paprika left. Give that a stir. And if you guys want to have a little taste then... Let's go for it. Come on, Marie, and taste your <laughs> potatoes there, and I'll grab them now in a second. Let me preempt what you're going to say. Give Those potatoes are gorgeous, <laughs> aren't they? And Tara's little addition makes them just outstanding. I love it because even with the, some of the flavours in there, with the smoky flavour, you can still, after two or three bites, mm. you can taste the potato, mm, can't you? Mm, yeah, it's you gorgeous. Can. Yeah. It is gorgeous. And that is so simple and so easy to prepare, as Tara said. OK, so that's the potato salad ready. Trout on the barbecue, the purple and red Emily in the uh, oven. So where are we now? Oh, it's the sauce. It's the sauce. It's the Mary Rose sauce next. Okay, so I remember my late father teaching me this years and years and years ago. I must have only been nine, I'd say. And um, at the time they had that restaurant in Bar Brannigan's for years and they sold hundreds of prawn cocktails every week. So this was a big feature for us. So I'm going old school and retro with it. I just have a shop bought mayonnaise here. Of course, you can make your own if you have eggs that you trust and, and know they're safe. Obviously use an egg yolk and a little bit of oil. Just whisk it together really fast. And then you can add the other ingredients as I'm about to now. So I have a little bit of Worcestershire sauce. Then I have a little bit of Tabasco. Not too much of anything. Always less is more. A bit like there with the potatoes. You don't put too much in. You have a taste. And then, you know, I say this all the time with the classes as well. You know, always go with less taste. See if you need more. Because if you've been too heavy handed with something, it's very hard to come back from it, you know. A little bit of tomato puree. Now, I put tomato sauce into yeah, the... Yeah, this is the, uh, the age-old uh, dilemma about... No, look, if I didn't have any tomato puree in the fridge, i totally use a bit of tomato ketchup, but I do find it's slightly tart and mm. that kind of sweetness to it that I don't really want. But, you know, you can go up with the other ingredients and a bit of lemon juice to counteract that if you want. So, you know, and now tiny bit whoops oh she said a tiny bit heavy handed there but we like that heavy handed with the brandy with the brandy yes so uh obviously go a little bit easier than that we went quite heavy handed with that brandy there give it a good mix but you know what this has done is loosened it up so you know it serves a purpose because i want to drizzle it over the uh the trout and one last thing then a little bit of cayenne pepper or paprika Adrian Walker's recipe being recreated by his daughter in East Coast Cookery School today. So this was the standard in Brannigan's. This is what they went back in their hundreds and thousands for. Yeah, I don't know if he always put brandy in, certainly at Christmas time and things like that he would. But um, yeah, let me have a taste now. Mm. Happy with that. Let's go and go out to the barbecue. We have our sort of accompaniments ready here. Let's go out with the asparagus. So I've just drizzled a little bit of rapeseed oil on the asparagus here. And I'm just, I've just kind of made sure with my little silicone brush that the um, rapeseed oil is well kind of coating the asparagus and then a little pinch of salt and then we're going to go out and pop them onto the barbecue because the trout should nearly be ready now. Let's take the short walk from the school to the barbecue and fire them on the grill and see how Mr Trout is faring. 
look at the transformation in that fish. Yes, look, you can probably kind of make out that it is actually cooked if you look at the centre. Cook right through. We might even give it another couple of minutes and Mm. we'll get the asparagus on now. How long will you give the asparagus? About three or four minutes if even. And will you turn it? No, I'll just leave it on the Yeah, well, I'll just kind of move them around a little bit, yeah. And you're leaving, the heat is still on there? Yeah, I've turned the heat off actually, so we'll turn it back on now for a minute because it's cooled down while we've been talking in the kitchen. But in ordinary time, you know, you would leave it just in the residual heat for a few minutes. Out they come from the oven, the Violetta and the Red Emily. Absolutely. So they should be nice and soft through the centre, but with a little bit of a crisp on the outside. Let's have a taste, Jerry. They have a unique flavour each. They really do. I didn't do a whole lot of those and I don't think you need to, you know. So let's go on out to the barbecue and just check if our uh, trout is cooked through and our asparagus should be ready too. There's the trout and he's certainly beautifully done at this stage. Really nice. So look, our skin is all lovely and crisp. Flesh is lovely and soft at the centre but cooked through. Then I have my asparagus here. Char-grilled asparagus. Lovely. And then we're going to serve up with our little potato salad and then we're going to have our mary rose sauce with this and then of course we have our little herby roast potatoes as well lovely back to the kitchen and i have to give a mention the trout we have today is a lock arrow trout my favorite lake now in the world from county sligo as wild as the clappers and the flesh tarry you can just confirm there deep red yeah it's absolutely beautiful look at it and i've been really enjoying thank you so much for bringing the trout because I've been really enjoying cooking with it. So look what I'm doing. I'm just peeling the skin back. Now, the tail part of the trout is usually bone-free down at the bottom end, but when you're at the top side here, the thicker part of the fish, there's certainly bones in there. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it is one of these things. You are going to have bones. It's nearly impossible to take all the bones out, you know. There is the bones there against the, um, the spine there. So just take it off there gently. And some of our nice roast potatoes. Probably cool down a little bit by now. And just to finish... With a final little bit of a nice bit of fresh herb, so important, I think. I love this part. It's worth waiting for, as that famous ad says. Let's get a fork here and have a go. My word, I have to say, the barbecued trout, you can just, the subtlety of the fennel is there. The Mary Rose sauce combined with Maria's. I've just taken some of our potato salad there along with it. Isn't it lovely? It's just gorgeous. It really is. Oh, I'm over the moon about this. Maria, final word to you. Can you get a word out for us? Well, it's like you said, the subtlety of the fennel coming through. It's absolutely gorgeous. Anyway, Maria Flynn, thank you so much for bringing us your wonderful produce from Ballamakenny Farm today and Tara Walker, as usual. Flavours of the Boyne Valley. It's all here in our own region. Absolutely. And just a reminder to everyone, we're going to go with some lovely flavours of the Boyne Valley out in Telltown House in Kells. We're going to do a lovely barbecue demonstration um, for Father's Day on Sunday, the 16th of June. So make sure to uh, pop out if you're in the area. And in the meantime, recipes available from? EastCoastCookerySchool.ie as always. Thanks a million, Tara. Thanks again Maria back in the month of June with more flavours of the Boyne Valley prepared by the wonderful Tara Walker at East Coast Cookery School One of the undoubted highlights of the festival calendar is happening this coming weekend at the Carrick Macross Street Festival from Friday through to Bank Holiday Monday another short week next week isn't it great at this time of the year it's always an action packed weekend with entertainment for adults and children alike including listen to this list parades RSA demonstrations street entertainers trad music arts and crafts markets a dog show, teddy bears picnic, fun fair and great live music with a host of top class bands. That's the Carrick Macross Street Festival all weekend from Friday through to Bank Holiday Monday and for more information you can check it out carrickmacross.ie 
forward slash festival. Top of the show, Colm O'Rourke was with us talking about the championship and the structures he'd like to see implemented. John and Ardy agrees 100% with Colm, but the danger he sees is that Dublin is a pure provincial team and that's why the gap has arisen. They were probably in the gym this morning while other teams had to go to work. This is not good for the GAA, but it is for Dublin. I think something has to be done immediately by Croke Park. Paddy Waters was on to us. He agrees 100% with every word Colm O'Rourke had to say. He spoke a lot of common sense. And uh, Dublin have destroyed football, says Anne today. Uh, when the teams are equal, the game is great. Bring on more hurling. It's a fantastic game, says Anne. And so on and so on they go. Louise, what about the fella in Galway? I have a tally here from Galway City Central Ward. And there's a guy called Patrick Feeney. And he got one vote in the elections. Louise, the boys are laughing in studio here. Jerry, everybody Louise was laughing, laughing yesterday and I just think there's something desperately sad about it. The like boys are all laughing here. That. One but vote. Like- Jesus, he voted for himself, family. did he? He voted for himself. <laughs> Nobody else in the family even voted for him. That's called delusion, Louise. Oh, is that so sad, Jerry? that he's no family or friends? I have never... I'm looking Seriously. at the tallies here. Look, one vote. Patrick Feeney. Patrick, give it up. It's not uh, for you. mean. It's not for you, Patrick. It's not for you. It's not for you at all, son. Give it up. Forget it. Anyway, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you I'll tell you laughing here and studio. Yes, the boys from Blackstone Motors are here. Mick Toner and John Walsh from Draw the Town are here as well. And we're gonna draw the final two finalists in the Blackstone brilliant Clio Car giveaway, which is happening by the way, live late lunch this Thursday. So if you're in the hat, stay with us. It could be you winning that car. Sheila McDonald, Phil Bannon, Melissa Dugan and John Gallagher. Yes, they're in the hat already. One of those could be winning the beautiful Renault Clio 191 worth 20,000 euro the boys from Blackstone are giving away. And the draw is this Thursday with a special live late lunch from Blackstone on the Inner Relief Road in Dundalk. And I'll say it opposite KFC. I don't ask Donald to say it today. I will say it. That's where it is. Anyway, we have two more slots available. There'll be six finalists and you have a one in six chance of winning this car. Just confirm Donald Waters to me. All of the names are in there from from the first week so from the very first week the second week and entrance that of course came since, in, uh, since uh, are, are all in here um, in, the, in this very large box uh, that basically uh, so so if people from the first week uh, if uh, if they weren't successful that week we put all the names back in again okay. and the second week and so on yeah. so you have had your third opportunity today to be drawn out of the hat yeah. for the big day on Thursday yeah. are you all excited about Thursday yeah, listen it's going to be a great day I know there's a, a, a great great lineup of, uh, of, of of guests and uh, special guests still to be uh, we one or two uh, special guests up our sleeve but yeah looking forward to probably um, to showcase and actually to actually give to to get to give this car away uh, yeah look really forward to it to be honest with you mm. yeah. have you given away a car before Noel? we we facilitated a, a car giveaway on behalf of Renault right we forced to open a drive yes and um at the time, it was done through Today FM. Okay, but it was we a, will forgive you for that. Who, because who, 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 who were they? You, uh, who? Because you've come to your senses still. Sure, yeah. you're with us. You're a big backers yeah. here on late lunch, and we're yeah. so grateful to yeah. you for it, boys. Uh, but this is the first, no, like now, no, a real Blackstone giveaway. This yeah, is the yeah. big one for, for yourselves. Yeah, this is this is our, our own. Our yeah. own 
And, and this spot's going. Dundalk on the map, of yeah. course. Your latest yeah, indeed, uh, yeah. venture there. Yeah, it's. Uh, I suppose we're giving our own money away this time, yes. <laughs> more or less. But, but it's probably, yeah, it's. Uh, I would encourage everyone to come up and actually just have a browse or see the new Renault lineup. Uh, we have a great commercial range, great range, the Clio, the Cajar, the Capture. Um, we have a great uh, use section. Um, uh, we, there's always a deal to be done on Blackstone Motors. We can facil- facilitate finance um, up there. We, we, there's great, uh, great finance deals on the present moment. We have great staff. Paul Holland, Quip, see Paul and Andrew, uh, Jaron Finance and also we have uh, the service department is now open uh, so if you need your car service if that light is on and you need to get to get it turned off and get a service, come up to Dundalk if you're looking for parts. So it's a one-stop shop for uh, for, for Renault and Dassey and any used cars as well. And on Thursday is it open f- open open yeah. for oh, anybody yeah, to drop in on Thursday? Yeah, we just we just feel like I mean we've done outside broadcasters loads yes. of times and, and look we just feel there's going to be a natural effect to this, a natural feel to it. Really, we really don't, don't want to have a situation where you're you're trying to divert people who are coming in to see what's going on yes. you know somewhere else so look it's going to be open as long as you're okay with Jerry like, we you know. are fully open to it I have to say that and we'd love to see as many people as possible call into Blackstone yeah. Late Lunch is coming live from half one to half three this Thursday and you're all welcome and I know the finalists will be there and their friends as well it's going to be mad exciting imagine yeah. somebody's going to win a car will I tell you who's with us today I want to say to the boys in Blackstone they are fantastic supporters of the communities where their garages are. They support, they really are givers back to people and especially in the world of sport. And joining us today are two men from Drogheda Town. Mick Toner is here, he's the uh, club chairman and John Walsh, the vice chairman is with us. Gentlemen, you're both welcome to the show. They're going to do the draw in a moment. Mick, how long are Blackstone backing Drogheda Town? Um, Jerry, Blackstone are backing Drogheda Town since 2014. Uh, we got our new state-of-the-art clubhouse completed uh, just a year before um, we had um, uh, our state-of-the-art clubhouse was built by Aidan Rain of Castleview Homes and um, it's put us in a very, very good position for uh, to cater for community needs within the Drogheda area which has been crying out for community needs. Um, the massive help that uh, Donal Waters and Noel Stewart from Blackstone Motors have given us um, I just really couldn't quantify here on radio, but suffice to say, uh, the name of our ground, Blackstone Motors, Marion Park, uh, the uh, floor co- covered and inside in, in, in our new clubhouse, and a lot of um, getting it to the state-of-the-art finish is due to these gentlemen. Our club manager, uh, Robbie Horgan, uh, who I could, if I could mention at this time, everybody Absolutely. in everybody in Drogheda Town wishes him a very, very speedy recovery. Uh, Robbie uh, has had a very serious illness recently, and uh, he's presently recovering uh, at his home. Uh, to him and his wife Suzanne and his family, we wish you all the, all the very best. It's been a long road, Robbie, and that. But, um, can I join in those words as well, if you, if you don't mind, with everybody here? Because he's a great football man. He has been all his life as well. And we're delighted to hear that he's on the road to recovery. And I, I join in those comments as well, if we could, yeah. from LMFM's perspective, Mick. Yeah, but um, Blackstone uh, sponsored uh, the manager with a, with a uh, Renault car. And uh, for a club of our size to get uh, that kind of sponsorship from these gentlemen here... Uh, it's it's simply it's huge a, it's, backing. It's huge backing. It's unbelievable. Uh, our club has uh, we cater from kindergarten up to seniors in football terms. But 
we're much more than that. We're a community-based club. We cater for taekwondo, special needs kids, judo, uh, a new craze for young kids called Moon Music. Mm. Uh, we have HSE, we have Irish Cayley dancing, uh, we have judo, and a, a whole aspect of, of community. Of, Did of, you know that? Uh, and the bingo, don't forget the bingo. The bingo's a good one now. Yeah, yeah. We, have, we have a bingo on, on Saturday night. <laughs> and um, uh, all, all that gel together uh, makes for a community-based club. Yeah, no, it's but, right, for, it's but for phenomenal backing from these people... Um, we, we, we couldn't get yes, that. Yes, and, and, and it is, and, and, that, and that's what clubs need, and, and that backing and support is immense. I want to tell you that we had a job getting Mick Toner here today, and to be honest with you, he wants to get out here as fast as he can, because you know he's a massive Derby County fan, yeah. we all know that as well. And they're at Wembley against Aston Villa in the biggest, the most valuable match in the world. It's worth £170 million. At, With 21 minutes gone at Wembley, it's Aston Villa nil, Derby County... Nil. It's a draw still there, Mick. <laughs> I had you there. Do you think I was going to say one? Uh, maybe it'll be one shortly. Well, anyway. We're used to being behind. <laughs> Will you keep your manager, Derby County, or is he gone after this? Well, he's a cult hero in Derby at the moment. Yeah. And uh, they, they would probably uh, rename the Brain Clough way after him if well, he gets, they, them, if gets if invited he gets them up. Yeah, yeah. Chelsea are uh, hovering in the back. But look at you, you never know. Anyway, that's, uh, that's happening at Wembley at the moment as we speak. Nearer to home... Drawdy Town came from, was it West End? Yeah, um, I was involved with West End when I when I came here, and um, we formed it in nineteen um, around nineteen eighty. Uh, four or five, uh, we were we were uh, young guards at the time, and for we started a soccer club to get involved in the community. Yes, and um, it, it at that time it. It had a phenomenal takeoff. We played in in the Boyne Road, and uh, we got young fellas playing with us and all that. And uh, we broke down a lot of barriers where people mm. might might had fears that time that uh, you know that you were uh, from a different planet, maybe from there from you know. <laughs> but um, so you're only from up the road, mate. Right, you're on. only from, yeah, but it's a big difference uh, from up the road and down the road, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> but Mosley CI were were on the go. For, for years and years before that, through uh, Joe Furness and uh, the late Jimmy Maguire, mm. Tommy Murphy, um, Lord of Mercy, and, them, and other great people, and uh, they they had great sides. They they, they got to the FEI Cup first round proper. I remember it well. Finn Harps. And Finn Harps. I was at the game. And uh, they they took them to I think it was two replays. They did. And uh, could, have, should, could and should have won it, to be honest with you. I mean, harps are high-flying. <laughs> Did you amalgamate with Mosney CIE? Yeah, Mosney, we amalgamated with Mosney CIE, who later became Drogheda Celtic. And okay. John, who's current vice chairman at Drogheda Town, uh, he, he was heavily involved with Drogheda Celtic, both as a player mm. and manager and that. Mm. And uh, uh, in 2001, uh, both parties got together and we amalgamated to form what's currently known as Drogheda There you have, you have the history in a moment. My producer's waving at me. Lads, we have to do a draw. This is very important. That's why the Drogheda Town boys are here today. Who are going to be the final two finalists into the hat for Thursday's big live show and the chance to win this beautiful 191 Renault Clio. It's worth €20,000. John Walsh, come on, he's the, 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 the silent partner here today from Drogheda Town, but he's going to do a big job here. He's going to pick... Finalist number five. John, give me that there till I tell you who it is. And into the hat goes... Uh, he's from uh, 
Sandfield Gardens, 52. His name is Anthony. Is that Mulholland? Can you confirm it on Anthony that? Anthony Mulholland, uh, yeah, he's actually a customer of ours. There yeah, you yeah, go. From the Barber's An- Works. Yeah. Anthony Mulholland, congratulations yeah. to you. 52 Sandfield Gardens. You're the fifth finalist. You've got to be with us, Anthony, on Thursday. I'm sure you will. Mick Toner. Come on, don't be nervous. Dig deep there. Rattle them round. Let's see who Mick... This is number six. This is the sixth finalist now. Thank you, Mick. And here we have it. And I have this one, of course. Knockbridge, County Louth. 11. Clunana, Knockbridge. You know who you are if you're listening. Yes, it's Ursula Travers. Ursula Travers from Knockbridge. And uh, she says, why do we, she, does she love Renault? They are very reliable and nice to drive. That's a lovely comment, isn't it? I really like that, yes. So we'll see you, Ursula, as well on Thursday. So let me recap. Sheila MacDonald, Phil Bannon, Melissa Dugan, John Gallagher, Anthony Mulholland and Ursula Travers are our six finalists on Thursday brilliant, brilliant, for Late Lunch brilliant. Live. Drogheda Town continues to assess you. Thank you for joining me. Good luck to Derby County McToner over the next while. And lads, we'll see you both, of see course. Thanks, we'll Thanks, see you sure. down there on Thursday afternoon for the big live show. Again, thank you to Noel Stewart and Donald Waters. Late Lunch Show sponsors, we really do appreciate their support. Anyway, that's it on Late Lunch for this Monday, the first day of the week. We'll see you tomorrow, Tuesday, and we'll leave you in the company of Diana Ross. You're going to have a little baby Renault Clio. Baby love. you love it on Thursday. I promise you. FM podcasts brought to you with Cark McCross Credit Union, where dreaming of warmer climates becomes a reality with a Cark McCross Credit Union holiday loan. O'Neill Street, Cark McCross, or CarkMcCrossCU.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.